Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. What is up, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you all so much for chiming in for this latest episode at Rangers Review. Myself alongside good friend Steven Stapoy Steven, as you all know him by now. I can't believe we're already into the NHL season. The Rangers have played four games that we will be discussing today. The first, not really full week, I should say, but the first week since uh, the season has started for us since the last time we recorded. So four games in, that's what we'll be breaking down in today's live stream and episode. However, you're listening to us either live on YouTube or listening on replay wherever you get your podcasts as well. But we'll be deep diving these four games, really everything that transpired for the Rangers there. How will they be looking going forward with their upcoming schedule? What were the key performances or lack thereof through these first four games? And a heavy update on Vitaly Krasov and everything there is to know on that trade situation. But before I get into anything else here, I want to say thank you all so much to everybody that's first chiming into the live stream here. That's not, say, listening to this on the podcast. If you are, thank you so much for that, no less. But Stephen, how are you doing today, my man? Happy to have you here. Good. Um, looking forward to this week. I'm flying to the Netherlands on Thursday to uh, visit my mom who finished her chemo and meet my five-month-old niece for the first time. So looking really looking forward to that. Congratulations to your mom, by the way. I know that yeah. this is something that unfortunately dragged on a bit, as, as we know, but I'm really, really yeah. happy to see that she's doing well to this point. And I'm wishing her nothing but great health going forward. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, well, it's awesome. To, it's also exciting for you as well to see your niece for the first time, you said, right? Five yes, months? Yes. Five months old, born in May. Um, born about two weeks before I moved to Dublin. But with the with the move to another country and starting a new job and finding a place, like in, finding a new place, uh, the last couple of months have been super busy. So I finally found, found some time to actually... Uh, fly up there also with the restrictions being eased up now yeah i don't need to get a test so because i'm fully vaccinated i can just fly to the netherlands all i need is what they call a locator form so i just have to fill out uh like do you have do you have a fever do you have a cough do you do you yeah. do you sneeze a lot whatever so if you fill it all out no 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 then it's fine um so flying to the netherlands is a little bit easier i'm going on thursday and I'm coming back on tuesday so it's a long weekend um and yeah you know i've i've already gotten used to the ranger games being at midnight but on thursday i'm going to be watching on uh, at 1 a.m again so back back to that again sweet memories am i right <laughs> well hopefully you that know they- you know i i had a talk with someone on twitter about that today who lives in berlin uh nick barson i think and he asked me is it really that much of a difference and you wouldn't expect it but that one hour is huge Watching at 1 a.m. Or, or watching at midnight, it's huge. Going to bed at 2.30 or 3.30 when you get up at 7, is, uh, it's, a big, it's a big deal. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it, yeah. thankfully for your case, you watch games that are still later in the day but aren't to the same magnitude that what it once was when you were in the Netherlands. So, you know, bite the bullet. Yeah. Hopefully they play a couple of good games when you're there, especially for Thursday, mm-hmm. and kind of go from there, right? But uh, now I think it's a great segue to get into. And, of course, folks, if you're watching this live, we'll be taking questions for the final 10 to 15 minutes of the segment like we usually do, so make sure to hold your questions for then. But getting into the first four games of the season for the Rangers, and Steven, you were 
accurate. You were 100% correct in your prediction. So Steven is leading the season predictions one to nothing. I am the one with the nothing. If you guys don't know, well, we started last season when we started rolling out these weekly episodes, we would give predictions, you know, for each week because we normally do a pod at least once a week with the upcoming games. Steven, you're in the early rain. How happy are you? How confident are you? Are you even surprised? Listen, uh, when we started with uh, with uh, 0-1-1, I did not expect to win those final two games, but uh, Laffy brought it home in Montreal and Panarin in, in Toronto. Or, to be fair, Shashorkin brought it home in Toronto. Let's, he, let's be you're fair. damn right he did. But it was, good to see, it was good to see a slight monkey, if you will, get off Panarin's back early, yeah. along with Sabanja. And we'll get into that. You know, you're going to be covering that. But I'll start off breaking down game one briefly. Then Stephen will get into game two. I'll do game three. And then Stephen will recap game four. And then we'll share our overall thoughts here on these first four games in which the Rangers went 2-1-1 one, and one so far. But game one, not a fun game. Um, I was in attendance, of course. It was the first game of the season for the Rangers in D.C. Had a great time. It was a lot of fun going there. Um, I was even fortunate to run into some people that actually recognized me, believe it or not. Shout out a good friend, and I believe David Newman, who's been a great supporter on the channel as well, who was actually somehow, some way, noticed me and asked if I'm Tyler. And I said, yes, when I even had my like N95 mask on, I'm like, that takes skill. My goodness. Mm-hmm. What do you do in your day-to-day life that you're able to point me out so easily, but no less. It was really cool. It, always humbling feeling for sure. Having people come up to me wherever I go uh, for sporting events. So it does mean a lot, but that was by far, I would say the biggest highlight of this game. Cause other than that, the Rangers just, my natural concern going into this one was that they would be head hunting, that they would be all worried about physicality and getting these hits and having an absolute piss poor performance you know penalties high because everyone's in the box from fighting all this stuff and basically all of that happened without the fighting which was most baffling of it all you're telling me that again people argue this throughout the offseason and i was joking i said this on twitter i do not stand by this but to think that a team drastically changed everything this past offseason directly in hand with the tom wilson incident and again i'm exaggerating of course it was just that was kind of you know the final stone, if you will, before uh, it really made Dolan realize, okay, that changes need to be had, regardless that you don't even target Tom Wilson at all in this game, and the refs were even protecting him. It was absolutely ridiculous. I don't believe Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson were on the ice at the same time once in this one. My memory serves me correct. Just an absolute – 12 seconds? Of course, you wouldn't know that. Thank you, Stat Boy. Um, but literally, other than that, they were they were never on the ice together. We mm-hmm. saw nothing. We saw some scrums that they then threw out as like roughing penalties. I think one was on Truba. I forget who the other was on. Um, Sammy Blay was high flying. He was one of the most actual noticeable people all game long. And while he had some boneheaded penalties himself, I did appreciate that Blay was actually trying to make things happen all game because between Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad, neither of them having shots in a game for the first time since Panarin became a New York Ranger for that duo to not none of them to have shots on goal. That wasn't fun to watch in attendance. I got caps fans behind me. Cause I'm sitting nosebleeds dead center, like diehard fans. This guy, you know, we, we sit down right away and you know, he says, Oh, you guys are going to get whooped tonight. And then uh, me and the person I was with, we say, yeah, we hope so to kind of throw him off. And you should have saw the face that this guy had. He could not believe that we took from him saying that, really insulting us to embracing it. He didn't know how to respond. He's like, what, what, 
what do you mean? And, and then and then we replied in the sense of, well, then we get a better draft pick. It all works out in the end. And so we were going back and forth. He was yelling, come on, over chicken. Come on, Bubba. This guy was literally a character, and he actually made the game somewhat entertaining. But mm-hmm. going on to what actually happened here, the Rangers got whooped. They lost 5-1. to one. They had a little opportunities all game long. They had a good start to the game, I would say, in the first period. And then it just completely trickled down due to endless penalties on their part. They had a total of six penalties in this game. And Alexander Ovechkin and the Capitals execute on half them, as you would expect them to. So the Caps went for 500, three for six on the power play. And the Rangers won one for five. The only goal was by future, and I'm going to say this confidently, captain of the New York Rangers and Chris Kreider. Doing what he does best, gaining a nice tip and deflection goal in front. He's, I believe he still leads the league in those type of goals in front since he came into the league. He's been notorious for that, and he's continued that over the past couple of games as well. But Kreider had the lone goal for the Rangers here. The Rangers out hit the Capitals 27 to 12. So, you know, it's all about that grip, baby. It's all about that grip. It's the only thing that they actually had going. Uh, block shots 8 to 15 in favor of the Capitals. And yeah, just overall, Georgiev was a net, did not look sharp. That's the only game that he has been in net to this point. The Rangers didn't really help him out too much, however, being stuck on either. Pardon me? Face-offs? Face-offs, the Rangers were superior in this game by a large margin. They were 61-39, to so something that we've been emphasizing a lot for them to do better on face-offs. So far, so good. Not recently that you'll get into in their most recent game, Um, but again, I think injuries go in hand with that. But the Rangers dominated the face-off circle. They had 24 shots to the Capitals, 27 but absolutely nothing to contribute offensively whatsoever. Just a really a shit show of a game. Anything that everything that could have went wrong went wrong. There was zero structure, zero discipline, and it really gave me flashbacks of Rangers early last season under David Quinn. The only thing that I will say I appreciate the most out of this one, outside of what I already discussed, was that there wasn't these continuous line changes, mixing up the lines, micromanaging every five minutes. That's something that was not apparent basically all game long, and I did appreciate that, and that's something I'm going to continue to appreciate under Galan. But between a power play that I don't like with having too many righties on the first power play, especially in that right dot, then too many lefties on the second that we've said every single week for how many months? Literally all year long, Stephen, we have been saying this exact issue. Uh, It's still holding true to an extent now. Just a bad game overall for the Rangers. Uh, Again, not putting too much stock into it, however, because they've had brighter spots since then. But yeah, recap in a nutshell, Rangers lost game one, five to one. Now, Steven, take it away with game two. Yeah, game two, uh, the home opener, of course, for the Rangers, uh, the debut of Nils Lundqvist, the reveal of the uh, Rod uh, Gilbert patch that the Rangers will be wearing all season long in honor of uh, Mr. Ranger, uh, special warm-up jerseys, uh, overall, the, the ceremonial puck drop with uh, Rod Gilbert's wife was beautiful. Um, and then the game started and... Rangers being Rangers, they gave someone his first NHL goal. Jacob Peterson, of course, uh, fifth-round pick of the Dallas Stars. Um, and uh, I think Radek Faxa scored the second one for Dallas, and it didn't look good. Um, but then luckily the Rangers came back. Um, Adam Fox with a really good block of Capocaco in front. He didn't get an assist on that, but uh, he was in the Kreider role, so to speak. Uh, bounced off of the skate of a uh, of a defenseman, and then Chris Kreider tied it up. Uh, Chris Kreider, who now who had three goals in his first three games, so that that was a great start for him. Yes, it was. Uh, and then unfortunately, we lost it in overtime. Um, the, um, the 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 shot, I think it was a shot by Panarin that that bounced back, and Mira Heiskanen had a had a one on one. 
Um, yeah, great finish by Mira Heisken, one of my favorite non-Rangers in the league, to be perfectly honest. Um, also one of the few non-Rangers I have a jersey of. Um, but but uh, yeah, the Rangers got a point. Um, face-offs for 50-50. Uh, which is interesting. They win, they lose game one when they're superior on the face-off dot. Game two, the face-offs are 50-50 and they take it to overtime. Um, and then, of course, as we get to in a minute, games three and four, they they lose the face-off battle, uh, but they still win those games. So, uh, And the, the last one I'll get to in a minute because that's legendary. We had a game against Dallas, unfortunate loss in overtime, but um, good bounce back, in my opinion, from the 5-1 loss against Washington. Yeah, good bounce back indeed. It was unfortunate, however, in overtime, you know, a lot of people were pinpointing at Panarin, and I was to a certain extent, you know, it was a little bit of kind of a bonehead play. I'm not sure if he was trying to make a pass right through the center of the ice in the offensive zone. It kind of ricocheted Heiskin. I think Heiskin almost like pickpocketed him, then went around him right away to make himself streaking along the side to get the breakaway, and he didn't miss, of course. He got a beautiful shot off and beat Igor. Igor said in postgame they should have had that, and, you know, Igor was not at fall in this game. If anything, he's the only reason why the Rangers were in it as tight as they were. But no less, mm -hmm. at least to get a point was important for the Rangers going into game three, in which it was the first time in quite a while since they were actually in the bubble that they are back in Canada now, facing off against the Montreal Canadiens. Alexi Lafreniere's parents in attendance for the first time in Lafreniere's career as an NHL hockey player since he's been drafted. Because if you guys don't know, a lot of stuff has been happening over the past year and a half now, so people haven't necessarily been able to travel too well especially coming from Canada. Um, but no less, Rangers back in Montreal. They are without Carey Price, that being the Habs, unfortunately, wishing him the best. Um, and you can definitely tell that the Habs have had their struggles to start the season in hand with not having you know that backbone, that being Carey, not just a great goaltender as it is, but also being a huge voice and a huge leader in that locker room and on the ice. You can tell that's making a difference early for them, even without deep of an offensive lineup that they've had. But the Rangers go into this one, and they end up winning. And this was a tight game for sure, but the Rangers started to blow it open a little bit in the third. At least uh, getting that empty net goal was huge. But they won 3-1 to one in total. The Habs outshot the Rangers 32-24. to 24. Faceoffs were won by the Habs 61-39. to 39. So really polar opposite from what we saw from game one, at least, against the Capitals. The Rangers got the lone goal on special teams because the Habs had a couple bad penalties themselves. Uh, they had four, and the Rangers were able to execute on one of them, thanks to, yes, Chris Kreider. That was, in fact, his third goal of the season, as you alluded to, Stephen. Big goal for Kreider there on the power play, assisted by Zbanjad and Panarin. Um, and then you get into the one goal for the Habs that came in the third period was Jonathan Druin, who's had a great start to the season, wishing him the best. If you guys don't know, he was on an extended leave of absence this past year dealing with some personal issues with anxiety and depression and mental health is of course an important thing. And something that I think gets really overlooked or, you know, brushed under the rug a lot in major sports like hockey. So I think it's great to see Druin overcome his personal battles and adversities and have a good start to the season. Uh, but then gain into the third period. That's where, yes, the hometown boy and Alexi Lafreniere, former first overall pick scores an absolutely beautiful goal to give the Rangers the lead and they would hold it. Kevin Rooney ends up gaining empty netter and the Rangers win this one and a huge win for them. They had 18 blocks to the Habs 13. The Rangers did not out hit the Habs in this one. They got out hit actually 31 to 23. So grit, not as much of a factor, but they still got the win in the end. And from all the games we've seen so far, 
their biggest win to this point, their most kind of, you know, comfortable win out of all of them, even though no wins have really looked comfortable for the Rangers yet. But in total, Lafreniere, you could tell he had a pep in his step. He had five shots on goal, had himself the uh, goal scored himself. He had he did give up. Uh, he had one little bad penalty, but outside of that, he had three hits as well. He just looked great all night long, and I really hope that we see that energy from Laffy more consistently throughout the season. I know it's not necessarily easy, especially for him going into Montreal, that being the area in which he's from, having his parents there. It was bound to go right for him. It kind of felt textbook, if you will. But I really hope that he builds off that and can get that on a little bit more of a consistent basis, kind of that drive a little bit, if it makes any sense on what I'm saying here for the remainder of the season and beyond. Uh, you know, a lot of good production from the Rangers here, even though uh, there was some unfortunate issues, and that was to Capo Caco. Caco was injured in this one. He ended up being pulled from the game, and he's on the IR currently for at least a week. Uh, very unfortunate. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what Kako's injury is. I know it's upper body. I don't know the details on that to this point, but it doesn't look like it's going to be anything long-term. So wishing Kako the best and a speedy recovery because, as we know, the Rangers already are lagging, uh, lacking some right wing depth. And that's why we're going to get into fairly shortly um, Vitaly Kratsov once we get over all the stuff that's been going on with the Rangers because, man, all it took was just a couple games for the Rangers to use some depth, right? And unfortunately for uh, that situation, you know, it just it's not looking pretty whatsoever. But Rangers, again, win this one game three. They win this three to one. Loved a lot what I saw from this game. And of course, Igor Shosturkin doing what he does best, saving 24, 25 shots and having a stellar start to the season that continued going into their most recent game that Steven's going to touch on now. Yeah, um, going into Toronto, coming off a win in Montreal, which is not easy. Um going into Toronto with Austin Matthews back in the lineup for the Leafs. A um, lot of good players, of course, on that team. John Tavares as well, and Mitch Marner, uh, uh, Nylander. Um, it's a lot of firepower up front. And uh, and it was noticeable. You know, the Rangers being without Ryan Strome that we didn't mention yet, but he was on the COVID protocol list, so he didn't even travel to Montreal for Game 3. Being without Ryan Strome and without Capo Caco, um, the Rangers were struggling. In this one. Um, and uh, yeah, part of that is the face-off. Well, we keep coming back to this, but it's been a weird season for the Rangers. They have won the face-off battle once, and that's the only game they lost in regulation. Um, this game is almost historic. Um, on the penalty kill, they won only 10% of their face-offs. And that's that's ridiculous. Uh, Mika Zibanejad scored the first goal for the Rangers, of course, um, off a, a turnover. Uh, who were the other forwards that were on the ice for that goal? Ryan Reeves and Dryden Hunt, I think. Because mm -hmm. Zibanejad came on the ice. He was the first one to, to come on the ice in a line change and, you know, unassisted, scores the first goal. Zibanejad, by the way, has five points in his first four games. Um, he, he might not be very noticeable in, in each of the four games, but... Last season, it took him 16 games to get to four points, and now he already has five after four games. So, good start for the uh, for the center. Um, and then, of course, uh, that overtime was was amazing. Uh, we often we often complain about three on three overtime, how it's not real hockey and it's a little bit gimmicky. Um, and I agree, the first minute was very. Um, I mean, the first minute, is, if you show that to people, it's a good it's a good case made against three-on-three three overtime because mm -hmm. teams are circling back, not taking any risks. 
But then the final two and a half minutes, oh boy. Um, like bre- breakaways back and forth. Shestjorkin, 20 yards out of his net, making a save. Uh, Jacob Truba preventing a goal by Austin Matthews with an open net. Um, and then the one face-off they win at the end leads to the game-winning goal by Panarin. Uh, but it's a miracle they won this game. Absolute um, miracle. The, the face-off percentage for the Rangers was 24.1%. Um, to, to illustrate how bad the Rangers were, um, face-off wins in last night's game, the Rangers 13, Austin Matthews 13, and John Tavares 15. So those two either tied or, or outplayed the Rangers as a team in face-offs. And I looked it up since the since 2000. This was the eighth worst face-off percentage in a, in a game for for a team in a single <laughs> game. The lowest face-off percentage ever uh, or since 2000 was the New York Islanders in 2009 against Buffalo, 17 percent. Um, then there's the Canadians in there, the, the Florida Panthers. Anyway, uh, but this is the lowest face-off percentage since the year 2000, where a team actually won the game. And the Rangers had absolutely no business being in this game they after had, the first period. They were they had no business. They had no business no. even taking it to overtime. No, they didn't. Uh, and this is something I touched on briefly. I was actually discussing on the channel on Hot Take Hockey's channel yesterday. If you guys follow him on YouTube, make sure you do for all great hockey content. He was live streaming the game. I hopped on for a little post game and I was saying to him how, you know, the only reason why the Rangers even got anywhere was because of Igor. But offensively for the Rangers, they just offensively and defensively, they just had no mojo after the first period. I was liking what I'm seeing. The Rangers were getting a lot of constant pressure in the Leafs zone, which led them to their lone goal and Zibanejad in regulation. They had some other good opportunities as well, but fell short. Uh, and then really from that point on, once you got towards the latter half of the first period into the set, it was a complete night and day difference from how the Leafs came out in the second period versus the first. Just a complete 180, if you will, not favoring the Rangers. And they held on by just a thread. This is a team that got exposed both offensively, defensively. That Literally, the Leafs did everything possible to win this one. And they ran into, really, you could argue, a top-five goaltender already in this game, and that is Igor Shesterkin. So we have to take a moment to really appreciate Igor and talk about shades of Henrik Lundqvist is what I saw last night. Before we – I want to start with this because, again, this was his 50th game, and I know 50 is not technically a milestone because 100 is a milestone, but his 50th game, uh, Shesterkin has played seven games where he made at least 40 (laughs) saves. In his first 50, only three goalies in NHL history since they started tracking saves have more than Henrik Lundqvist. George Gardner had nine, Marv Edwards and Peter McDuffie have eight. Uh, and then there's five goalies with seven, including Igor Shestjorkin and Tim Thomas. Um, I think Henrik Lundqvist had six. So it just shows you how much they rely on Shestjorkin early on in his career. And there was some there was some criticism about his contract extension over the summer, if you remember, which I uh, which I never agreed with. The only concern uh, with Igor has been his yeah. health. That's been the and only thing you could really pin. As long on. as we are in the month of October, everything we say comes with a little asterisk of small sample size. Yes. It's still early. I get this it. True. I get it. However, if if you start the season, if before the season started, you would have you would have told me. Shashurkin is gonna is gonna play three games and put up a nine four nine save percentage. 
I'd, I'd sign up for that easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he carried this team to a win in Toronto, to a win in Montreal, and carried them to overtime in Dallas for, for that one point we got out of that game. And yeah, he, he looks, he looks, he, he just looks sharp, you know? Um, and I think this is just like, like a guess from my end, but it feels like Galan told him clearly, you are the number one, you are the starter on this team. Yeah. So there's right Remember and there's the comfortability season? factor because yes you never gave that it was always exactly. so in the air yeah exactly last season there there were there were there was a time early in the season where quinn openly said that there's no clear starter it's just Jorkin and georgiev and then kincaid played a couple of games and boy it was a mess but you know giving just Jorkin the extension telling him he's the starter giving him that confidence I mean, it's still early, but uh seems to have worked. And I think what's also like really fun to think about is Igor throughout his career has not had too heavy of a workload, which could pay dividends for the Rangers here. Because let's not forget when he was in the KHL, he was dominant, but he split a good portion of his time when he was playing the KHL and his mm-hmm. in his goaltending tandem. Uh so now if him coming to the Rangers here, if we he does have potentially a season pushing north of, you know, 55, 60-plus games where he is, in fact, the starter, I don't necessarily see him gain gas to the likelihood that you would assume in a day and age where tandems are the normality, knowing that he really hasn't had a crazy workload to this point in his career in comparison to – let's just use Hank as a comparison, right? Hank's had some really, really big seasons where he's played easily 60, 65-plus games, but still – Igor is in a position right now where you're going to get the best out of him. If you're going to ride high on him because you don't have that comfortability or the trust with your Georgievs or your Kinkades of the world. Okay. Bank on him because he's already proving early into this year. And I do believe it's going to continue that he knows he is the number one guy here. And that confidence is going to be radiating mm-hmm. off of him throughout the remainder of the year. So between him not having that workload, like he's had in the KHL, maybe it's an adjustment. Maybe we do see him go through his, highs and lows throughout the year, which would not be surprising whatsoever, just like any other player. But as long as he's more consistent than not consistent, then the Rangers will be primed for success. They had no business being 2-1-1 after their first week of games. Absolutely no business whatsoever. So to to touch on Lundqvist quickly, in his rookie season, he had 53, played 53 games, which is a lot for a rookie. And then his second season, he had 70. His third season, he had 72. His fourth season, he had 70. His fifth season, he had 73. And then 68, 62, 43 in a 48-game uh, uh, season. In yeah, literally the whole year. And then 63 again. And then 2014-15 is where he had that injury where he was hit in the throat. Remember that? Talbot in came along. Yep. Talbot came in. He played 46 then. But after that, you know, 65, 57, 63, and then 2018-19, um, down to 52, and then 2019 20 is where Shishurkin <laughs> took over. He played 30. But Henrik Lundqvist played 70 plus games three seasons in a row. Well, and four seasons, sorry, four seasons in a row. And let's and clarify then, that the NHL was different back then. And, you know, yeah. Hank's early days of his prime, that is where that was more of the norm versus tandems now. But yeah. regardless, the point is, is that 
to see Hank do it to that level. And I know that you shouldn't be comparing people to Hank, but there's good reason as to why Igor has been deemed as the, the prince here, right? You know, the next yeah. man up. And I do believe he is going to be in a prime spot where, yeah, we're going to see him for at least 60 games this year, maybe pushing 70, depending on what exactly you're getting out of Gurgiev. If you don't have that comfortability, that confidence, if your backup is the sole reason why you're losing games, then, hey, you know, buckle up. Get on those skates, Igor. We need you more often than not. And that's something mm -hmm. that won't be surprising at all if we see that continue throughout yeah. the remainder of the year. Speaking of Henrik Lundqvist, how how nice is it to see him on TV? Oh my god! Oh my god! You, just to see that hair and that face, uh, and Patrick Patrick it, Sharp thought he was the sharpest looking guy on TV. No pun intended. Yeah. Sorry, Patrick, but Hank is yeah. here and he's beautiful. And it's been 15 years, but Valaket has finally done it. He made Henrik Lundqvist his sidekick. He did. He Instead did. of the other way around. <laughs> he did. And shout out Valley because I know that he tweeted at you recently when he was on the ice. He called you. Oh out yeah, I, uh, I posted a tweet about the the top five save percentage for Ranger goalies against Toronto, and he was oh because Valley was in there. Yeah, uh, he was ranked second behind Georgiev, and he uh, he tweeted a video of him stick handling a puck, and uh, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. And I'm gr I'm glad we brought this up because let's talk about Georgie for a second. He is someone that hasn't done very well against a lot of teams early in his career. But Toronto has been that one kind of anomaly. He mm. has had the upper mm. hand by far. Mm. So the fact that Gallant wasn't even really that considerate, what it would seem, to go to Georgiev here against Toronto, yeah. in Toronto, really is proving something further, mm -hmm. as we've discussed, with who exactly is your number one. But certain goalies have, like, that one team. Oh, absolutely. Jimmy Howard and MSG. Let's where start they with that. Dominic Hasek mode. If, if the Buffalo Sabres ever become a contender, I know it's a long shot, but if they ever become a contender again, I just want Mackenzie Skepsky to come out of retirement just for those games. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's another example. I mean, like you said, Jimmy Howard at Madison Square Garden. Like, and he grew up a diehard Rangers fan. So there was like, there was sentiment behind that, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then, as you said, Georgiev in Toronto, it's interesting to see those, uh, those matchups where a team, where a goalie just, completely dominates one team and then against the rest of the league it's it's like eh. um it's it's but, really it's really interesting it's like anything else like in, in, in other sports too whether it be a certain quarterback against a specific team or for baseball mm -hmm. there'd be a certain pitcher that's just so dominant against one certain lineup because he always yeah. feels he has the upper hand on it's yeah. really fun uh to look at yeah. that i think the thing we touched on earlier where galand was telling just york and he's the number one goalie he's the starter there's no question about it i think it also it also has a positive effect on georgiev because mm -hmm. there's no you know there are no expectations you know he's he's a backup now there's no there's no one a and one b tandem we have a clear starter. We have a clear backup. Um, Hopefully the, that benefits Georgiev, if at all, just knowing yeah, exactly I, what his role is. I hope it does because I don't think he's going to be a Ranger after this season. He's an RFA next summer, and Neither do I, I don't see the Rangers giving him another deal. They're going to trade his rights in the summer. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I don't think Georgie will be here much longer. But until we get to that point, we got to root for the guy and hope for the best. So 
Georgiev, wishing you well. He wasn't at fault for every goal that happened in D.C., but he definitely wasn't uh, a positive in that game, if you ask me, even though I know Gallant said that, oh, none of this was his fault. I'm like, okay, we we don't need to go there, all right? We just started the season, Gallant. Please stop lying to us blatantly in front of our face. I don't appreciate that. But let's get into now a, a fun statistic that was actually just tweeted out recently from uh, New York Rangers Stats and Info. Talking about hits, let's talk about grit, baby, right? Because that's what matters most for this Rangers team. Nothing else matters. Got to talk about that grit. Rangers registered 33 hits in the win It's mo- uh, in the win against the Leafs, which was the most since March 9th of 2021 against the Penguins, of which they had 58 in that game. I remember that game. Uh, this season, the Rangers have 115 hits, the most through the first four games of the season since they had 126 through four games in the 2015-2016 year. And the Rangers stand alone at the top of first in the league at hits so far through their four games so yeah they're throwing their body around and that was something that i noticed right away in the capitals game as well they were very aggressive uh, again we didn't see the fights but i will throw out there because I, I didn't i don't believe i mentioned it before gary bettman was in attendance you could clearly tell that that was probably a heavy factor into things on you know not getting too messy which is unfortunate it really ticked me off to be quite honest with you because i really want to see a reeves and wilson fight who won in that c- scenario it kind of was a match made in heaven just to fall because of Gary Bettman, I was looking for him too. I was, you know, I was, I want to have some choice words with Gary, but I couldn't find him. He was in one of the boxes somewhere, but getting back to what has happened with the Rangers, they've been very aggressive. That's been noted, but now transitioning from aggression to this overall production of this lineup, we've noticed on the faceoff dot that they struggled lately to, to an extent. And that's strictly in hand with losing guys like Ryan Strom. If you guys don't know, Strom is currently out. I, be, I believe he has COVID or he's just on the COVID list. At least he's sick to some degree. And Kapokako is out for uh, seven days. I don't know what day we're at right now. I know we're a couple days in a race, so Kako should be back fairly soon. But these are two guys that when you lose key pieces in your top six like this, you know, Filipino, I know you said you don't believe Filipino will ever be uh, in a position where he's worthy of being that 2C. Again, I think you're jumping the gun a little bit, given we've only seen a couple of games. That's just my opinion, though, Steven. Um, I'm not going to put too much stock in it yet. I do not think Filipino is going to be top center in his prime, and I think his peak will be a 2C at some point, whether it's with the Rangers or not. But he didn't do anything that really flat was flashier, you know, wowed me uh, during Ryan Strom being away with the team to this point. Kako, him being out, really unfortunate as well. So you've seen guys like Barkley Goudreau having to play in this uh, Goudreau, however you pronounce his name, in the top six. And, yeah, you could tell that the Rangers were getting very reliant at times with this band jazz, the Criders of the world. And the Panarins, uh, something that we saw with DQ, especially in scenarios where they weren't playing well. But I understand from Gallant's standpoint these past couple games why he's juggled things up a little bit more. Because of one, you see endless penalties that are continuing to happen that needs to get shorn up sooner than later. This is not looking good. I hate when it's a game where you're, it's more special teams dominant than it is five on five because you just don't build structure. And it's hard for a team to build structure when they have a new head coaching system in as it is. Now you're throwing in all these adversities when not even being able to play five on five for more than a couple minutes. You know, that's not a recipe for success. So the Rangers have looked very sloppy, in my opinion. Uh, they've had some really good periods, but they have by no means looked strong for the entirety of a game from, for the most part. Even against the Habs, I did not feel that they simply dominated every period. I don't think that they did at all. So, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen, kind of what is your thoughts right now 
on how the Rangers are managing this lab now and going forward for the next couple games, still without guys like Ryan Strom and Capo Caco, and also the call-ups that they've had because of these injuries or illnesses, even though that he hasn't had playing time yet, that being a Morgan Barron. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll touch on Morgan Barron first. Um, I was happy to see that he was called up. Um, in my opinion, he should have been the first call up, not Greg McKegg, but it is what it is. But then he's called up and he's not playing. I don't understand why you fly a kid to Toronto just to sit at the press box. I really hope he does get a chance against Nashville because this team needs a little bit more structure, as you said. Um, hopefully, Strong will be back uh, against uh, against the Nashville Predators. Um, I'm just like uh, with Filipino, I'm just not convinced he is the guy for Artemi Panarin to play with. I just don't think their styles match match well. That has nothing to do with it only being three games, it only being four games, whatever. No, I just don't think he is the type of center that Panarin plays well with. Um, but yeah, I expected Morgan Barron to center the third line when Hedl was moved up. Uh, it didn't happen, so hopefully we see that later on. Uh, and in terms of the hits, I, I just don't understand this fascination with hits. Um, and teams that are bad on faceoffs tend to have more hits because you can only hit players when you don't have the puck. Bingo. Um, more hits usually you know, equates to lack of puck possession. You're chasing the puck instead of carrying it. Yep. And I just don't understand how the Rangers were were flaunting it like it was some some magical statistic. It's the Rangers are two one on one, yes, but it's it's just not sustainable with the way they're playing. And you have a guy, Chris Kreider, who scores three goals in three games, and it's rarely it's it's not even highlighted. Instead, we get highlights uh, on on their Twitter account of Ryan Lindgren leading the league in hits. I don't care about hits. You have Chris Kreider second in the league in goals. You know, highlight that. That's that's something that'll help you win. Mm-hmm. Chris Kreider's goal got us a point against the Dallas Stars. Chris Kreider's goal helped us beat the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm not saying hitting is completely useless, but hitting in a vacuum, like the hitting stat in a vacuum, to me is useless. The context there's, of the hitting there, is what's yes, most there, important. Yes, there, there should be a hitting plus minus. And I've said this for years. Oh, that's an, where, that's an interesting take. Where you look at a hit, if it results in a turnover that's a plus. If you hit an opponent and you don't, your team does not retrieve the puck. That's a minus because if it doesn't, if, if it doesn't lead to you retrieving the puck, you, you're putting yourself out of position. And mm-hmm. one of the goals, the, the goal, the Montreal Canadiens scored against the Rangers, um, Truba and Miller, for instance, were both out of position. And it's because they're chasing the, the puck carrier both at the same time and and it just leads to open eyes in front of the goalie hitting should be a more sophisticated stat than just, than just raw hits um so if you're telling me the, the rangers lead the league in hits uh my response to that is great then i guess we we are bottom of the bottom of the league in terms of puck possession yeah that, and, and, that's, and that's basically what that what that tells me and I know there's a little bit more nuance to it, of course, but yeah, 
to me, hitting is not necessarily a positive. It's not a positive when you've seen how this Rangers team has played so far. Let's put it that way. If the Rangers have, say, we're 4-0 or 3-1, and regardless of the record is actually, but if they were dominant, take how the Leafs performed last night at the time of recording this, right? If they played like the Leafs and let in hits, I think the Rangers played a great game. They just fell short. Unfortunate that they were not able to really even buy a goal because they ran into a hot goaltender, which again, for the Rangers' sake, was Igor Shosturkin. So it really, the context is what matters most here, and I agree with you. Hits is a stat that you should you should not look at and be like, oh my God, we're the top of hits. Right? I'm, I'm being sarcastic every single time I say, you know, it's all about that grip, baby. It's a joke, just in yeah. reference to how the Rangers operate this offseason. Uh, but it's important also to have that aggression. I'm in favor of hits as long as it's not going to result and say maybe you go for the hit, uh, but the puck gets away because you pinched up and now it's a two on one, the opposite end. Like that's where I have an issue. That's where I'm thinking Jacob Truba missed the hip check. Okay. All right. Now there's an odd man rush down the ice. Like that is what you should not allow to happen. But you can tell that the aggressiveness is directly in hand with guys that the Rangers have now acquired, not just with the guys on the roster. Barkley Goudreau, uh, Goudreau uh, currently leads the team in hits. You have guys like Ryan Reeves who, when he's on the ice, oh my goodness, you heard the absolute entire Capital One Arena in D.C. shake every single time Reeves made, laid out a hit. It just it sounded different. It reminded me as if you have a big slugger coming up to the plate in baseball and he cracks a home run. The crack off the bat hits different. When Reeves hits someone, it sounds and hits different. So you can yeah. tell that he has that aggression when he's out there for sure. And he does make impact. I haven't disliked anything from Reeves really so far. Um, mm -hmm. Just would like to see him get in a fight sooner than later, to be honest with you, when it's warranted, not when it's uh, after the game, like a Brendan Lemieux type move. But to really wrap up discussion on hits here, it's important to look at how exactly they're being utilized. If we talk a week from now, the Rangers have a piss poor week, uh, do not dominate in any facets of the game, but they're leading hits. Then that'll tell you that's strictly because they're trailing, try and get the puck mm -hmm. because they don't have it in possession. Um, yeah. Now going and, from, and, and, and you know, so last thing I'll say about this, you know, what's, what's more telling to me. And I know that shots on goal was also not a stat that tells the whole story, <laughs> but to me, it tells a, a more complete story than hits. Uh, the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Rangers were outshot 17 to two in the second period. Yep. That you can you can lead you, you know you can out hit your opponent all you want, but you need to generate offense because no team is going to get rewarded for for hitting the most. It's not fantasy hockey. If if you play fantasy hockey and hits are rewarded, go draft Rutko Gudas and Chris Russell. Because those guys will get you the points in fantasy hockey when when you get points for hits and block shots and that and that kind of stuff. But if you want to win games, you need to do more than just hitting. And uh, yeah, man, Igor Shevchukin really really carried us yesterday. And the last thing I'll say quickly about their cam their their, their goalie Jack Campbell. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed this. I never noticed this before. But every time he made a save, the crowd was chanting soup. soup. Yeah. Fucking awesome! <laughs> exactly. Never noticed it before. And they have and they have two players that are, have the nickname Soup actually, because it's him and then Ilya Mikheyev. Okay, 
Yeah, McKayev's had the nickname Soup because he did, I believe, was on a commercial or did like a sponsorship deal. I think it might have been with Campbell's or something too. But he okay. no one as soon as he came to North America, he was doing like a soup ads. So they got two uh, soups, yeah. not one. So, you know, they're eating um, right over there in Toronto. Um, yeah. Okay, so before we get into Krasov, which is going to take us the remainder of this episode before we get into Q&A, one final topic that I want to discuss for the Rangers now, um, before uh, let's actually get into as well uh, their upcoming schedule here. Um, because actually, you know what? We'll wait. We'll wait till the very end for the upcoming schedule. Ignore that I said that because that's how we usually operate. But going into the next couple of games, there are a couple of things that absolutely need to change that I hope change at least. I know it's early in the season. I'm not trying to uh, nitpick and critique this team too hard at all. But glaring issues are them on special teams, both offensively and defensively. They need to get out of the box, okay? This is something that already early, they're giving up at least uh, three power plays to the opposing team each game. And when it comes to offensively being on the power play, they've just looked absolutely abysmal. Outside of Chris Kreider, there's nothing going. Uh, Mika hasn't been able to do anything that left die yet. He's gotten robbed sometimes, but he's also had some bad shots. Uh, I just, I don't like anything about the power play, and um, I hope it changes uh, when Brian Strom's back. You know, I don't want I don't want Strom uh, to be centering the first power play just for him to be in the right dot. It just it's oh, frustrating. You know what I like about the power play? What about it? That the second unit gets more than fifteen seconds. Oh, I know, I know. I was gonna know. I was gonna say that. I noticed that right away in the first game. Yes, yeah. right around right around the minute mark or so uh, mm-hmm. when there's a minute left in the power play, they are actually yeah. pretty even. From most and, of them, and no, I know, I know, you need to have an opportunity to go for a line change. Like if you have sustained pressure in the offensive zone, you're not going to put your second unit on on the fly. But once the puck is cleared, if there's one minute and ten seconds left, Quinn would leave the first unit on, and Galant's putting out the second unit, and it's it's refreshing. And this is something I've harped on this last season. You remember this? You know, I brought this up several times. Um, so it's refreshing to see that at least. Uh, no. The power play is not clicking yet, but I'm 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 happy that we have two units that we can rely on. I'm happy that we have two units we can rely on on as well. My only critique again is having right-handedness in the right dot or left-handedness in the left dot. It has proven not to work to this point. It proved not to work more often than not last year. Why mm-hmm. should it be any different now? That's that's my big thing. When Kako's back and healthy, I want to see him on either one or two in that right dot. Okay. That's all I'm asking. Him or Lafreniere, either one, however they want to go about things. I just, I hate, I just absolutely despise seeing too much of the same hand in this because you can clearly tell when Strom's on the right die is too hesitant. Or I don't remember which game it happened with Panarin in one of the games where he was on the right side of the power play and the puck was played towards him. <laughs> and he wanted to get the shot off, but the angle is just wrong. Exactly. It just, it, it's frustrating. Like if you're going to like, let me put it this way, righty and lefties being on their proper sides makes perfect sense, especially in an odd man rush situation, right? Where you're just getting that tap in, but how the Rangers are cycling the puck, just like any other team on special teams, you're looking for that big shot. You're looking for the one timer and everyone already knows that they can look at say Strom or whoever the righty is in the right dot to a different degree than how they're looking at Zabanja. They know that they should favor Mika, similar to how everyone knows that they should favor Ovechkin. The difference is Ovechkin is arguably the best goal scorer of all time. He probably will go down as such. Mika isn't to that level yet, so you can't depend 
on him to simply get an absolute wicked shot off every single opportunity. And there's going to be multiple guys in the lane. So that's something I hope changes. I just want to see more diversity there with the handedness. I think it's going to benefit them because it, it hasn't proven to benefit the Rangers at this point with how they're currently operating and also defensively needs to get shorn up as well. Not like you know, I'm seeing from some of these guys as well. Trinorty was an absolute dreadful first game. I know we haven't seen him much. Uh, Patrick Nemeth is just yeah. there. Um, I haven't seen too much upside. Yeah. Truba has left me scratching my head at times. Miller, from what I've seen, has looked okay. Nothing stellar, but okay. Uh, Lundqvist definitely had uh, Lundqvist had his bad, really, really bad uh, situation in the Dallas game, but it was just as bad of a pass as it was him mishandling it. So they yeah. both went in hand there. Uh, yeah. it's going to get shorn up. I'm really not too concerned about it. Uh, but more than anything, I just want the Rangers to st- get out of the penalty box. Again, lousy penalties that they're taking. They need to shore that up. Let's get some five on yeah. five for extended time, please. Yeah. And you know, Jared Tenorti is the perfect example that size isn't everything on defense. The yeah. guy is six foot six. And <laughs> look, you, you can talk size all you want, but Dylan McElrath X. If, if you, if you ask anyone, do you want to play Jared Tenorti? or Niels Lundqvist, or Jared Tenorti, or Zach Jones. How many people, aside from Jared Tenorti's family, are going to say Jared Tenorti? Mm-hmm. It's just size alone is not enough. And No. Oh, I can't believe Size doesn't do anything if you can get beat like that. And yeah. that's something that, you know, Truba has gotten better at. But remember mm-hmm. his first year with the Rangers, too. I felt like, oh, my goodness, every single time a winner for the opposing team was streaking along the side, Trooper misses the check, and then you know that's that. Like he well, never stood a still, chance. We still have Levo Hayek on the team. I know, I know. Anyway, Let, let's let's get let's get here. on let, let's get on to a very important discussion here before we get to questions, and then uh, previewing uh, the next couple games for the Rangers before we have our next episode. And that is Vitaly Krasov. And this was a great article that broke earlier today from Arthur Staple through The Athletic. Uh, they do have a paywall. So again, if you guys don't have The Athletic, we're, we're really going to tell you all you need to know here. But Arthur Staple is now covering the Rangers going forward. Now that Rick Carpinello, longtime beat writer for the Rangers, is retiring and he was part of The Athletic. So out with Rick and with Arthur, I'm already liking what I'm seeing. I have to be honest with you. Um, Arthur covers the Islanders usually, but now he's going to be doing both. And he came out with this piece on Vitali, and really the bad-looking relationship him and Chris Drury have had since right around October of 2019. Drury during his time also with the Wolfpack. Remember that as well. And what really, there were a couple quotes here that were really highlighted from what sources I've indicated. But I'm going to read a couple to you here, guys, in case you're unaware on just the situation right now. Because if you don't know, Vitali has said from what reports have indicated, that he's willing to even play on an AHL team of an opposing team just for the sake of getting dealt. He's willing to basically do whatever opposing team asks for when it comes to negotiate negotiations and getting traded, which shows you that this is more than how he would be in the minors versus him just basically being done with the Rangers. And they're both completely at fault here again, and I want to make that clear. But definitely, they're both at fault. Uh, according, Let's see this. According to multiple league sources, the friction between Kratsov and Chris Drury dates back to October 2019. As I mentioned, um, let's see. Sources say that when uh, Kratsov went to retrieve his gear and say his goodbyes uh, to the Wolfpack teammates and staff, and this was the first time he did this, uh, leaving the Wolfpack, uh, you know, exercising his claws that he had to go back to Europe, Drury told Kratsov that he'd quote-unquote quit 
on the team. So that isn't a good look to begin with. Uh, then going on a little bit further. He, he, did, he did that in front of the team, right? He, I, There isn't clarification if he has. Chris could have okay. said it to him on the side. Um, okay. But it says when he went to retrieve his gear and say goodbye to his teammates. So it could have been. It very yeah. well could have been, and like I, I don't know. There isn't further detail than this. Anyway, it, but, it could be, it could be a one-on-one thing, but still, it's. Um, and there's more to this, though. Hold on, hold on. So okay. I, I want to quickly touch on this before we move on to the next quote. Um, I don't understand the issue with. Uh, we know how how it all unfolded afterwards, but <laughs> at that time, at, in that moment, how can you, as the assistant general manager, have a problem with a, with a player? activating a European assignment clause that he negotiated for that the Rangers gave him, you know, it's, it's, not it's like- hypocritical. If you're going to critique it that way, yeah. then don't make the clause even. There, there is with. a difference. Yeah. There is a difference between Kravtsov now report, uh, refusing to report and Kravtsov two years ago, activating a European assignment clause that was given to him during contract negotiations. Agreed. And that's, you where- Yeah. And that's if you don't already want, if you don't want like a player, situation. If you don't want a player to use a clause, don't give it to him. Yep, I, I couldn't have said it better. And going further in this article, there were already concerns from the Rangers throughout this entire process for the past couple of years on Krasov and his conditioning. This is something that the Rangers have had issues with Vitali in the past, and it's held true going into this year. Again, he dealt with injury well, this year as well. I, I remember a situation two years ago where there were reports about his heart rate being too low. Yeah, I remember that too. It, it sounded like such a such a nonsense complaint mm-hmm. because hard rate is like hits. Yeah, it's like plus minus. Yeah, maybe it's, it's, maybe there was more to it though that they've been number, emphasizing yeah, but, the conditioning so much. Yeah, of you know? course, of course. And and now two years later, it it looks like there was more behind it. But at the time, it was just reported as Vitaly Kravtsov has a lower heart rate than his teammates. Mm-hmm. Well, if he has a lower baseline, that's not a negative thing. Yeah, it's, it's not necessarily a negative thing, but there were no details involved in that report. So it was a, it was a little bit of a gray area at the time. But now the situation with him getting injured in preseason, which was I think it was a groin injury. And, you know, there were there were talks about that being the result of him not being not being uh, uh, fit and not being in good shape. Yeah, that is concerning. And, and and what's also yeah. concerning, though, is that this is something that after this situation in 2019 with the clause, then we fast forward here to when the Rangers were in the bubble. If you guys remember Vitali, I'm pretty sure that he ended up coming to the Rangers when he had some personal family events going on at the time, like significant ones. I'm not exactly remembering what his, they were. His, his sister, his sister got married. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah. Missed so, his, yeah. He, he missed his sister's wedding to join the Rangers in the bubble and he didn't play. He didn't play a game. But, just to just to be with the Rangers for the bubble and you know practice with them, be part of the team. And the issue here, though, is that you know that might have rubbed him the wrong way. Again, if you're a, a National Hockey League player, those are commitments that you're going to have to deal with. You know, every player goes through it between mm-hmm. personal stuff with family that they have to not be able to attend to, unfortunately. But it also says in the article that Krasov also missed the the bus from the team hotel to the rink one day in the Toronto bubble which led to further frustration in the organization, according to multiple sources. So what was the reason for him missing? I'm not sure, but you could say there's a you know a lack of preparation here, a laziness, if you will, just based on what we're seeing. But then what goes on further is 
Pavel Buchnevich reportedly looks like he was the one that was truly guiding the way for Krasov to help him with his adjustment. And Vitaly took it really hard, apparently, when Buchnevich was traded, which, again, makes perfect sense as well. Now, even going further beyond this between the conditioning, when Je- uh, pardon me, Jeff Gorin and John Davidson were out of the organization and Chris Drury came in controlling everything, there was reason to believe that Vitaly thought, you know, that this would be the end of his run, knowing that he's already rubbed up the wrong way to Chris Drury. And then he goes into camp, of course, has his conditioning issues. And now here we are today. It doesn't look like he's ever going to play a game for the Rangers again. So again, this is very much on Vitaly. It, Again, it for this piece further proves in my mind that his lack of preparation, his lack of willingness, and just not being able to listen at times either. It just not mm-hmm. looking good all around, not going about things the right way. Chris Drury did not go about this the right way either. And I like to make that clear. There's a lack of professionalism on his part too for him to make that remark. I think whether it, it holds true or not, at the end of the day, I am with you, Stephen, that if you already have that clause on your contract, there's a reason why it's there. So whether you agree or disagree, talk about uh, you know a confidence booster. No, it's the complete opposite to tell your young former top first, uh, pardon me, first round pick that top team he, quit pick. On the, he quit on the team the first time you know that he's gained himself situated in North America. Like no, that that's a bad look too. So I think again, as we said before, and there really won't be anything else that will be touchy on this until he is in fact officially traded. Cause he's back now in Russia until further notice. We'll see how long this plays out. There are some suitors, but to wrap this up again, Krasov is at fault. Drew is at fault. This is just a bad look from both sides. Um, you can, you can say one's more than the other for sure, but I completely understand how both sides here um, did not go about things the right way. Yeah, my 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 issue with Chris Drury is if you knew about all this, thank you. If all yep. this was already happening, if all these issues were already re- already surfacing, why did you not trade him over the summer? And why the fuck did you trade Buchnevich? Why did you not add further Wainer depth to even replace maybe cheaper versions than what well, you have to this point? Because if Buchnevich was really a salary dump, okay. Mm-hmm. But there were there were other ways, okay, no, no, to handle this. There were there were reports, there were remarks that <laughs> Butchnevich is being traded away to make to make room for the younger guys that need to play serious minutes. Mm-hmm. And you can make a case for that being Kako. You can make a case for that also being Kravtsov. So you you basically trade away Butchnevich. You commit to a player that that as a general manager you are not fond of. You've already had issues with. You know how he responded two years ago when he was when he was sent down. He activated his clause. He didn't have a clause this time. My issue with Chris Drury is that he should have known better. He should have seen this coming, and he should have acted before this escalated. Yes, it's on Kravtsov for for acting the way he did, and Vitali Kravtsov made it really easy for this fan base to blame him for the whole situation. Let's be let's be real here. Yeah. Vitali Kravtsov yeah. did everything to take the focus off of Chris Drury and the organization. And fans are fans in droves were like, oh no, this is on the player. And I get it. But Vitali Kravtsov made mistakes, but this wasn't solely on him. This organization has had issues with younger players for years. There was the Leas incident. There was a Ryan Grubb incident two years ago where he refused to report. The Kraftsov incident we've already talked about. 
Brandon Lemieux asking for a trade. Julian Gauthier openly criticizing uh, David Quinn. Capo Caco criticizing Quinn, not understanding why he's being benched when Brett Howden can, can take penalties and never be benched. Um, a couple of years prior, and this is not necessarily the same thing, but you could see this in the same pattern. There were a couple of guys that they brought over in Robin Kovac that they drafted in the second round. They brought him over at age 19, didn't adjust well in Hartford, and then had that that uh, car crash in Sweden. They terminated his contract. It's At some point, you have to look in the mirror. At some point, this can no longer be 12 isolated incidents where it's all on the player. And at, in the salary cap era, the only three players I can name that, that actually developed as teenagers in Hartford are Artemenisimov, I guess JT Miller, and then Philip Hedl. Because every time this debate comes up online, there's always someone going, oh, what about Hedl? Okay, can you name one other player that actually went down to Hartford as a teenager and at that age actually adjusted well and developed into something useful for the Rangers. Mm -hmm. No, because it doesn't happen. The Hartford Wolfpack is a graveyard for prospects. It has been for the last 20 years. And that's going to change. And I do feel comfortable in saying that as well, but the moral of the story, and we've talked about this endlessly, but, they need to get better at handling these situations because mm -hmm. there's simply no defending losing out, not just on one, but two former first round picks since you back to back top, back to back top 10 draft selections. You're there's just no, walking, you're, walking out the door for peanuts. You're trading no justifying it. Yeah. You, you're trading even if for the players that fall. Yeah. Even if the it's players like, fall, then that goes in hand with your scouting, right? Exactly. You know, how long has this been going on with Has it been his whole life that he's kind of had this kind of approach, if you will? Leah, similar thing. So mm -hmm. one way or another, we can blame the players all we want, and they are at fault here. Vitali is at fault. But this is still on the Rangers as well. And I think it's foolish to completely be only one-sided either way. I, they are both. This is mm -hmm. a recipe of uh, that has led to disaster here from both sides. Yeah. And I really and, do. And, that's all I know, kind of want to touch on. Yeah, so so look at other organizations, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Detroit Red Wings. You, you could call them the sweet uh, Detroit Red Wings at this stage with how many players from Sweden they've drafted the last yep. couple of years. Not one issue. Nothing. The Toronto Maple Maybe Leafs. Maybe Wine knows what he's doing, that's why. Well, we, they, always, they also have a system in place with former players that know what it takes to, to get there. And, you know, there's, there's, a, good, there's a good safety net mm -hmm. in there. I, I, I never felt the Rangers did enough. The Rangers just expected players to to get it. And and it's it's almost like they said, yeah, man up. And the whole man up mentality doesn't work. And you know, you, I'm curious. I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, this needs to be said. I'm curious how much, if at all, the Sather effect goes into this. Because let's not forget the Rangers going a decade plus with simply not developing anything. Like mm -hmm. choosing not to, parting ways with your draft picks every single year, yeah. building a team that was already built upon a lot of players that have proven themselves either in the Rangers organization or with opposing organizations coming in right away and making an impact. Could that be a factor in this yeah. all? Yes, I absolutely do, do think it's part of it. Yeah, the only players that actually develop for this organization are the ones that develop elsewhere. Yep, whether it's Adam Fox being drafted by Calgary, traded to Carolina. 
Ryan Lindgren coming coming over from Boston in the Rick Nash trade, or even our own draft picks. You know, when you have a guy like Chris Kreider in college for three years, that's where he develops. A player that comes over at age 21 does not need as much developing as a player that you bring over at age 19. At that age, two years is huge. Now you have, and I didn't want to touch on this, but here we go. Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere, who let's 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 call it up. They're they're, they're underwhelming for top two picks. They're underwhelming. Capo they're, Caco, they're underwhelming versus what the expectation was for them from the exactly, jump. I agree. Exactly. Yep. And there's no excuse. You know, there there is no oh no we missed this in scouting. No, no, you drafted the consensus picks at their spot. Alexi Lafreniere was the number one pick in the draft for literally everyone. Everyone. Cabo Caco was the number two pick for literally everyone. There was no debate. There's no, there's nothing to hide behind. It's, if you look at that and then add it up with everything we discussed over the last 10 minutes, I cannot look at this and go, no, 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 the organization didn't do anything wrong. No, there's something fundamentally wrong in this organization and it starts at the top. And I don't think anything's going to change. There isn't a day that this thought doesn't cross my mind. And this doesn't just go for these two individuals, but it goes for a lot of different players, for fans, uh, uh, teams that I follow. But how would Kako look to this point with an opposing organization? How would Lafreniere look in mm-hmm. an opposing organization? Yeah. Let's let's do comparison with teams with very similar skill sets, right? Or even teams that are fully rebuilding. Um, I think there's a very good argument to be had that they would be flourishing and hitting at the kind of promise that was originally expected since they were drafted already versus what they've done down the Rangers organization. And again, this goes on David Quinn as well. This goes on JD, Jeff Gordon, to a certain extent, this will go on on Drury, depending on how these guys develop a lot of, a lot of factors go into this and we have to be clear minded of that too. It's not one specific thing. It's, it's the whole thing as a whole, but at the whole thing as a whole is the Rangers organization. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about Kako or Lafreniere, but I do think it's fair to have that belief that, oh, if they start out somewhere else, they potentially be thriving more. Yes, they would have more ice time from the beginning. Maybe they would have more comfortability. Maybe the market's a factor. A lot of different things go in hand, especially for a guy mm-hmm. like Kako when it comes to the market. I definitely think that was a factor given how his first year went, even though he played for like a year straight in Europe and now coming to the States. But yeah, I mean, I mean, imagine him being in the situation Barkov was in, you know, playing in Florida. There, there's less pressure. I, th- I think it's also the pressure of playing in New York, of course. But if you add it all up, it's just it's too much for me to 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 turn around and go, nah, there's nothing wrong here. I trust this organization. No, I think we were better off when we were trading our first round picks. To be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I have more faith in players that develop elsewhere for three years. You know, let Brett Berard play in college for the full three years uh, before you bring him bring him over. Um, Nils Lundqvist playing in Sweden for three years, great. Um, those those are the moves I would make. Laurie Payuniemi, three years in Europe, yes. And yeah, the only example I can I can name and everyone else can name to 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 convince someone that the Rangers are actually good at, at developing young prospects in Hartford is Philip Hedl. But it's I Philip and then I, Philip Hedl. And then another person says, yeah, what about Philip Hedl? But okay, who else? The Syracuse Crunch do this every freaking year. 
they they turn undrafted <laughs> players into stars. I will say though, Stephen, and because I, I feel like we might be getting a little too far ahead here in regarding you know the Rangers mm-hmm. lacking development in their system at this point. I think it's also important to give them time, knowing that this is still fresh over the past couple of years since oh, the no. start of the rebuild. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not this. I think we should make it clear too. This is not us jumping the gun or anything. I have the utmost confidence in Kako Lafreniere with the Rangers organization right now, and I also feel that the Wolfpack is in great hands for this year and years to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the moral of the story that Stephen especially has been trying to express here is that this has been a long time now where. Simply, the Rangers haven't been running appropriately when it comes to developing young talent, and hopefully it changes. I'm confident. I do believe that yeah. is, in fact, going to happen. Um, I think we need to get more leeway here, however, knowing that it's a changing of the times from going on being a decade-plus straight of being a one-type mentality to going into the rebuild to now a, a pushing away the rebuild, if you want to call it that, and going into now more so of this playoff mentality-type team. Yeah, and if you only win one cup, and I didn't want to go here, but if you only win one cup in eighty-one years, it's not bad luck. It's not. It's not. You know, you're not jinxed. There's. There's no curse. It's incompetence. And that's why we have a bright future, no less, because it's a lot has changed <laughs> from just just what has happened over this. Yes, the Rangers are above five hundred, and we're talking about one in eighty years. Sound like an Islanders fan? Stop it. Oh, you want to talk about you want to talk about win percentage. We are we are seventh in win percentage in our division. We're amazing. We're we so are, good. the only the only team under five hundred in our division are the New York Islanders who've lost both their games. Wait, wait, repeat that. I'm sorry. The only team with a record under five hundred in our division, New York Islanders, who lost both their games. Love to see it. <laughs> no, there's a team in our division that is unbeaten. They they they're 100 win rate. The Buffalo Sabers. Just nothing as, makes sense. Just nothing as we all, sense. What do you mean it doesn't make sense? Everyone expected this. You're imagine, if they get, imagine if they get Eichel back, how good they'll be. <laughs> all right, let's not go there. All right, that that's that's enough Ranger talk for now. We're gonna be taking questions for the next 10 to 15 minutes and then we will finish up this episode talking about the upcoming schedule and just giving our brief predictions so folks for the next 10 to 15 minutes if you're listening to live stream and not a replay or wherever you get your podcast if you have any questions comments or concerns because i know i've seen plenty throughout the live stream feel free to ask away um we apologize for the negativity that that was not purposeful towards the towards the end of this episode might i either because we care what's that it's because we care. It's because we care. That is very, I agree with you. Yes. People who don't care, don't take it this serious. Yes. The the hardest critics in the sports world and the most passionate times are the most passionate. Exactly. And I'm one of those because I'm very passionate sports fan not for all my teams. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Did we break the Islanders on that last preseason game? We might have Brody. I don't know. We'll see how they do their next couple of games. I don't even know what the Islanders schedule looks like going further uh, forward, but they are. Uh, yeah. Uh, never hurts to see them below the Rangers in the standings. We'll enjoy it while, while it lasts. By the way, how refreshing is it that we play other teams this season? Not just to set the same seven. Oh, it's very refreshing. I think we said that last episode. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a nice. Yeah. I, I enjoy it a lot. I'm, I'm over playing, you know, the same team eight times in a season. Yeah. Yep. Um, do you guys think the Rangers will ever get a handle on the uh, face-off problem? 
Yes, I do. I, I honestly do. I think that Gallant is doing a good job with him from what we saw in the offseason. I just think that, believe it or not, Ryan Strom has been a big factor into why the Rangers haven't done as well lately. Um, I do think the Rangers are going to have some better games than what they've had in years past face-off-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, to what length, to what consistency, I don't know. Because, you know, at the end of the day, these aren't, you know, Patrice Bergeron's out there. Andre Kopitar's. We, we're not getting, uh, you know, even Claude Giroux's. We're not getting absolute studs in the face-off dot. It's the same guys. They're, they just need to change their approach. And we've seen some of it. But uh, since Ryan Strum has been out, you can clearly tell that the Rangers are lacking. Yeah. Um, do you know the last time the Rangers finished with a positive face-off percentage, a full season? With a positive percentage? Mm-hmm. Over I, 50% the last time? I'm. It's during the Tortorella era. 2008-2009. It's been over a decade since yeah. the Rangers finished over 50% on face-offs. Yeah, the Rangers didn't do shit with AV. I remember that much. <laughs> so... No, the last two seasons under Tortorella, they finished at 50, like 50.0, like flat 50. But There's something about face-offs and it being that kind of knit and gritty team. Better defensive yeah. teams from what I've seen with the eye test. I'm not pulling out the numbers right now. They've been better on face-offs too. Um, In the salary cap era, they had two seasons with a with a positive face-off percentage. Two wow. in the salary cap era. That needs to change. Long overdue, but again, we're we're preaching the choir here. We all we all know yeah. that now. Um, it's, it's, see, it's, the, it's the players, it's not the organization. Yes, I see some very nice comments here in the chat from George, uh, also from Derek, uh, just sharing kind words about the podcast. Thank you so much. We appreciate that a lot, guys. Um, which current roster player would you be okay with trading? I wouldn't mind Strom and Krasov getting trade for a better number two center. Um, Krasov, I, I'm not really going to consider him a roster player right now. I, I'm, I'm going to take him out of this because obviously I'm okay with him being dealt because it's not like I have an option. You know, it seems obvious he will be traded at some point. Um, people on the roster, I'm okay with trading. It all varies on what you're trained for. And that's, um, that's a very broad question look, because for I would, me, depend- for me, it's, yeah, for me, it's anyone except Fox Panarin and Lafreniere. Okay. Yeah. I, for me, it's Fox, Panarin, Lafreniere, Lundqvist, and even though he's not on the roster, I know I just I'm being a hypocrite, but Zach Jones, I, I don't I don't want to see the Rangers. Oh, right Sam Rosen missed a golden opportunity against the Dallas Stars, by the way. Enlighten me. There was a there was a play where Shostjorkin was out of his net, and Lundqvist blocked a shot, and he didn't say save by Lundqvist. Imagine in a couple of years when he when he actually grows facial hair, we can say shave by Lundqvist. <laughs> My goodness, Brody with the five dollar donation. Thank you so much for that, boy, Brody. I've really liked our fourth line this season. Feels good yeah. to finally have a fourth line. Thanks for the podcast as always, Tyler Stephen LGR. Yes, let's go Rangers. Thank you for the donation, Brody. Hi in the chat for Brody for watching this live stream. Yeah, it's been Kevin, Kevin Rooney. Kevin Rooney is one of the most underrated players on this team. In Kevin, I've, I'm liking Kevin Rooney more each and every game yeah. that he's playing. Um, I, not I, not in love with Greg McKegg in that lineup. Got to yeah. be honest with you. Uh, even though he didn't look terrible uh, this mm. past game, but you know, I I don't mind Ryan Reeves so far. I sure as hell don't mind Sammy Blay, even though that Blay hasn't been solely on the fourth line at all. Um, How about Dryden Hintz? 
Shrine Hunt, I've been okay with. Hmm. Um, it hasn't done, it hasn't wowed me yet. Let me put it that way. And that maybe I missed a player too. Um, but Hunt's just been there from hmm. what I've seen. In yeah. my opinion. But yeah, Kevin Rooney is 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 really one of the underrated players on this team, and I'm still convinced. I'm I'm going to believe for the rest of my life that he earned his protection <laughs> slot in the expansion draft by his uh, by the way he was. Uh, he was making fun of Tom Wilson last season. <laughs> that, that I will never forget that moment. Oh, you know, I, stu- I stood up and did that when I was in uh, Capital One. Yeah, it's yeah. that moment is 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 as memorable as Artem Anisimov shooting uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning goalie. What was his name? Was it Garon? I think it was Garon when uh, when he scored that goal in 2011 against uh, against Tampa Bay Lightning, and he had that you know the. The rifle Sally, where he oh, uses yeah, yeah, like, like Anisimov against, yeah, uh, Anisimov, yeah, 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 yeah it's my favorite Sally of all time. It, it's, yeah. it's such a dick move, especially when you point it at a goalie or opposing player. Yeah, and then two months later in the all star game, Gabrick did it to Lundquist when he scored in the all star game. I know, I remember that. Yep, that was that was a little two on one. I got him <laughs> back when mm-hmm. Hank could wear the C in the all star game, which was I really miss. Cool. I listen, the 2011 2012 team is probably. The, the first team since the 90s that I really identified with. That that was that was my team. That was the first year I got involved with the Rangers, like daily. Yeah, yeah I still so I, I, I still get teary. I think about Gavrik's like triple overtime goal in in DC. Man, it just I, mem- memories, sweet memories. A couple of months ago, I rewatched the HBO Road to the Winter Classic. Uh, oh, so that's a good one. Can't believe it's like a decade old already. I know it's crazy. It is crazy. Oh. It is a decade. It's 2021. Oh my god, it's been 10 years. Time flies. Time flies. But we're trying. We're not trying to get on a tangent. All right. No, Maybe we'll sorry. Do a sorry. Episode just talking about all of our favorite Ranger yeah. memories. We'll do that one of these days. Um, what should our, our our lineup look like uh, next game with Strom? Okay, with the assumption that Strom is in the lineup, you're gonna. What should it look like? If you're asking for our opinions, that's a different story than what it's going to look like. But we'll go with what you know. Our opinions are for me. I would like the lineup to be. Mm, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Kreider left. Zibanejad center. Lafreniere right. Second line. Panarin, Strom, and I'm gonna go with Sammy Blay. Can Sammy play right? Look. Panarin made Colin Blackwell appealing to the Seattle Kraken. So put Dryden Hunt there. Dryden Hunt? Okay. I mean, yeah. what's you know what's what? the worst what's the worst that can happen? That's actually that's actually a good point. Maybe maybe I'll I'll leave Sammy Blake for like the third line at least because yeah. it's bet if you're gonna just have a filler anywhere, it's best to yeah. have it with the best player on the team. Exactly. So yes, Dryden, Dryden, Dryden Hunt on the second line, and then your third line would be Blay, Heedle, uh, Gudra. Mm-hmm. And then your fourth line could be Baron, Rooney, Reeves, with Gautier being despair. Or having Gautier playing, depending on what the matchup is. Because if it's Predators, do we need Reeves versus the Predators? Not really. Yeah. I mean, a, a fourth line of Baron Rooney Gautier, that's actually a skilled fourth line. That it's a bad line. That could be interesting. 
Yeah, so, and that's a line that could actually get a decent amount of ice time. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if he's. We'll see if Strong's back. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, we'll take like two more questions here, and then we're gonna give our final thoughts on the upcoming schedule with our pred- predictions. Uh, Anthony asks, even though it's a joke, uh, people joke about this. Do I think Tom Wilson really affected this organization? Um, yes, he did. But the point is, is that Wilson that issue that took everything that transpired there was the breaking point for James yeah. Dolan. That's what it was. It wasn't solely on what Tom Wilson did, but all Dolan needed was one more thing to kind of push him over the edge. And the Wilson incident ended up being that uh, Wilson is the embodiment of all the issues the Rangers have had with lack of physicality. It's not just Tom, Matt Martin Islanders. You have to look at your opposing teams in the metropolitan as well. That have caused issues in years past that in Dolan's mindset, which agree or disagree on it, however you wish is what went in hand with that being the breaking point for him. Yeah. 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 I don't think, I don't think Wilson was the sole reason for the Rangers overhauling their lineup as drastically as they did. Um, there were some games against the Islanders where the Rangers were outmatched. Um, there were some games against the the Bruins where they were outmatched. So it was, it was more than that, but Wilson was the final straw, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Um, and I think it was magnified at the end of the season where, uh, Lindgren, Truba, and Kreider were all out out of the lineup. I think I think that just amplified it even more. Um, but I think yeah. But overall, this was going to happen anyway. I I think they took it too far though. Uh, we we did we don't need Gerald Tenori. <coughs> I agree. They 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 want one or two signings too much this offseason. And uh, you know you're trading Brett Howden for a fourth to Vegas, and then you acquire Ryan Reese for a third. So I consider that a one-for-one swap. I know it's different yeah. rounds, third and fourth round is basically the same. In hindsight, yeah. you, I'm it, I'm a little curious why they didn't do the trade one-for-one one then. Yeah, I don't know. but Was the one round that big of a difference? Like No, but, but you know, sometimes this happens, and, you know, g- general managers come back later to – to finalize a deal they discussed earlier. It happened with the Boston Bruins and the Rangers in 2018, you know? Yeah. Uh, they had the uh, the Rick Nash trade, but at the same time, they traded uh, Nick Holden for a third. Mm-hmm. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes. How, how many trades did we have with the Carolina Hurricanes at, at, at one point? Like four in a 12-month span? Uh, what about the we, Hurricanes again? The, we had like four trades with the Hurricanes in a 12-month span, or at least it felt like it. We had the Adam Fox trade, the Joey Julian trade, and um, the Brady Shea trade. Yeah. Now three. What that that is that was the peak of Jeff Gorin. Yeah. Oh my goodness. He was, Brady, he was Thanos grabbing every stone like with ease. Turning, I, I remember making the joke that turning Brady Brady Shea into Braden Schneider reminded me of those old video games where they don't have the license, so they use generic names. <laughs> yeah, Brady Shea in that game would be named Braden Schneider. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> That's fine. All right, we got one last comment here, and then we're going to get on to the uh, upcoming predictions for the next couple of games. I'm I'm a bit bu- a bit late, says Anthony. But how much has Sammy Blaine pressed both of you? 
I, I've liked Blay. You know, Blay's no Pavel Buchnevich, but I think what's most important to view Blay is to not even think about him in the mm-hmm. spectrum of Buchnevich. You know, don't connect the two. That's how you're going to look down upon him. I think yeah. for what Sammy's brought so far, I like. I, he has that good balance of kind of everything that you're wanting for this lineup right now. Um, you know, he has offensive ability. He has strong skating. He can even deke you out a little bit in the offensive zone. He's a big body that lets you know he is there. He lands big hits on you. Defensively, he's okay. So he he's young, developed. He's dealt with injuries in his young career. I think as long as he stays healthy, he's going to really thrive in the Rangers system. And he's also a net front presence too. The Rangers can get creative with him if they do in fact want to utilize him more on the power play in front if need be, among other things. So yeah, so far I don't have any gripes with Sammy Blay. Only positives. Yeah, uh, Sammy Blay has been a positive for the Rangers. Um, I think he needs to work a little bit on his conditioning. His shifts seem very short compared to other players. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I, if if we would have acquired Sammy Blay for a second round pick, I think collectively as a fan base, we're celebrating the trade. Yeah. That's why you can't um, connect the two, as I said. Exactly, exactly. But they're always going to be connected. Yeah, just like no. Scott Gomez and Ryan McDonough are connected. You just need to do your best as a fan to appreciate Blay for yeah. what his role is here and not look at him as the Buchnevich replacement because that was yeah, never but, the point from the beginning. Uh, I mean, look, look at every time Brett, Brett Howden or Libra Hayek are, are mentioned the, the McDonough trade comes up. Same with Nils Lundqvist. It's just it's it's human nature. You, yeah. especially the notable trades, um, and it's it's a little bit easier when it's a one for one trade, like Philip Forsberg for Martin Erad. Oh my mm-hmm. god! The Nashville Predators really robbed the Washington Capitals. No, it, yeah, yeah. We don't need it. And somehow yeah. it did not weaken the Washington Capitals one bit. No, because I think was when was the trade? Twenty sixteen. Something like that? Maybe. Two years later, the Washington Capitals won a Stanley Cup anyway. Yep. So I don't think they care. Um, no. But Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones. You know, people are going, oh, no, the, the Predators gave up Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson. Well, they gave that up. It worked fifth, out for both sides at first. They gave up their fifth best defenseman when they needed a center. I, I think it was a pretty good trade. It was like a win. One of the rare win-win trades. Um, and now they're both on bad contracts. Yeah, but that's but that's what happens when players get older. Yeah. You know? Um, now, Sammy Blay has been good for the Rangers. Um, we'll see what happens throughout the season. I hope he can stay healthy because he missed the second game against the Dallas Stars mm-hmm. with a minor injury. So we'll see We'll see about that. But, um, yeah, he was yeah. everywhere in D.C., like I said. his He was just thrown yeah. around the body left and I'm right. Happy, I'm happy to have him on the team. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but he really looks like a young Rod Gilbert. Who play? Yeah. Mm. There was this, there was a video uh, during preseason where they had these um, uh, they were doing like these quizzes with players, and it was Capo Caco, Kevin Rooney, and Sammy Blay. And at one point, Sammy Blay looks into the camera, and it's like dead on young Rod Gilbert. Wow. I haven't, I haven't really noticed, you know, those comparisons at all. I have to look at the photos side by side. Uh, and and if you're going to look for comparisons, Morgan Barron looks like a young David Quinn. Oh yeah, yeah. no, they got, the, the, they got, the, they got the chin, the the jaw structure, yeah, everything, yeah, the eyes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they got everything. 
Oh my yeah. goodness. And he's a if he oh my god, just think about it, if he went to Boston and didn't go to Cornell, it would have it would have been, you know, something yeah, special. He he would have been Brett Howden. Yes. Uh oh, so who is Galan's Brett Howden? Who is Galan's tenor glass? Is it Greg McKegg? Mm, I wouldn't say that just because we're so really into it. Let's wait like let's wait 20 games. Okay. Write it down. Remind me when we're 20 games in, or roughly, you know, whenever we're recording then. And we'll see who's gained favoritism that isn't necessarily deserving of it or is just somewhat controversial because you can't expect the Rangers to not have at least one of these situations happening. It's the New York Rangers. Oh, no, it's going to happen. It's yeah. going to happen. It's 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 just it's in it's inevitable. We we've yeah. established that. But to wrap things up, let's get into the schedule upcoming for the Rangers. They got three games before we will be recording next. We'll be back uh, live and doing our uh, normal uh, recording either on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, depending on it. Whenever you're watching this or listening, um, but the Rangers got some big games. Uh, all games that are winnable. It's just a matter of if they will win them. Right? Uh, they are in Nashville starting up this Thursday, the twenty first. Uh, then on Saturday, they are in Ottawa. Uh, third time they'll be in Canada array this early season. That'll be a 1 p.m. Eastern time game. And then on the 25th, Monday, they will be at home, back at home against Calgary at 7 p.m. So, Rangers, by the way, the, sorry, the Predators game is at 8 p.m. Yeah, yeah, 8 p.m. for Preds. So, three games coming up, all games that the Rangers could win. I do not think the Rangers are going to win all three games, however, so I'm going to go with a two and one record for them. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with one, one, and one. So let me write this down. Okay. Two, one, zero for you. One, one, one for me. Let's see who gets it right next week. Okay. Out of, okay. Out of these three games, which one do you think the Rangers are most likely to win? Uh, the one against the Predators. Okay. Yeah. That's the game. In, the game in Ottawa is going to be interesting for Laf for Lafreniere. By the way, I think that game in Ottawa might because, be. The crypt, I think that game in Ottawa might be the kryptonite for the Rangers. Well, yeah, true. But for Lafreniere, um, he's from Saint Eustace, I think. I don't know how you pronounce it. It's something French. Um, and uh, it's about a two-hour <laughs> drive from there to where the Ottawa Senators play. So it's it's basically it's it's not as close as as this, the Bell Center in Montreal, but um, there's a lot of family and friends for Lafreniere that, that are going to be there. I think it's like it's, it's got like 200 people or something. Oh, that's so awesome! That game's going to be special for Lafreniere again. So let's see if he can if he can do it again. Before we go. Um, Alexi Lafreniere only needs three more points. Shut up, highest, Steven. Shut to be up. the highest scoring Lafreniere in the Rangers jersey. Yeah, I, I literally cringe when I see your tweets. Uh, there's just something about the Lafreniere on Lafreniere that I just can't. Everything else I I, I vibe with, but this is just first this time is too since, much. First time since 1989 and Lafreniere scored for the Rangers in Montreal. <laughs> That's going to do that's Funny enough, Jay, Jason Lafreniere is not from Quebec. He was born in, in Ontario. Okay. I mean, that, that makes sense given his first name. Yeah. So, all right. Well, out with Jason and with Alexi. And that's going to do it for this episode number 36 of Rangers Review. Hour oh, and Jen, a half Anderson. Jen Anderson episode. And, wait, pardon. Number 36. No. Stop. 
My Zook poster is crying. You schmuck. Do we have any other? Do we have any other number? Number numbers thirty six for the Rangers. Was Ruman and Dora number thirty six? I you would know. Hold on, I'm gonna look this up quickly and and then we'll go. Now now I need to know. By the way, if uh, if people people really need to go to Hockey Reference, that their website's great. Yeah, I agree. They with have that. sweater number registries and everything. I like that they call it sweaters still. Um, oh, Ben Fer- Ben Ferrero, uh, Dane Byers, Matt Barnaby, of course. Oh, someone commented Barnaby in the chat. Shout out to Wendy. Yeah. We got it. Yeah. Uh, David Wilkie, Alexei Faziliev, Ruman Endor. Um. Pierre Savigny, Daniel Gano, uh, another Ranger who scored uh, in Montreal. Uh, Jeff Nielsen, Glenn Featherstone, Glenn Anderson, Todd Charlesworth, and Gord Walker in 1987 was the first Ranger with number 36. I'm looking forward to the number 37 conversation when the time is there. Not now. Don't even don't even start it. We it's have only 12 names, so it's maybe we should it's only 12 names. Time. Maybe totally we should make this segment at the, at the end of the episode. I'll list the, the, the players that played with that number. Okay. Will do. I'm looking forward right. to it. All right. That's going to do it for this one, folks. Thank you so much for chiming in. Make sure to leave a review, leave a like, subscription, depending on where you guys are checking out this episode of Rangers Review. We will be back next week. Until then, let's go, Rangers. Let's get a good couple games going and let's get some consistency going. Get out of that damn penalty box. All right, folks. I'll talk to you soon. Let's go, Rangers.